Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. France's Martinique Territory imposes curfew after looting lawlessness. OECS chairman appeals for calm amid unrest in Martinique and Guadeloupe. Concerns raised on ramped-up oil production levels that could leave Guyana exposed. U.S.-bound migrant caravans dwindles, moves throughout Mexico's Gulf Coast. USAID awards a 14 grants valued at $21 million to Jamaican community organizations. And Puerto Rico starts granting online sports gaming licenses this week. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, November 26th. We start our report today in the French territories of Martinique and Guadeloupe. The Virgin Islands Free Press via Riders reports that authorities on the Caribbean island of Martinique ordered a curfew on today after protesters looted shops and set up burning barricades as demonstrations against COVID-19 protocols spread across France's overseas territories. Martinique and neighboring Guadeloupe have been hit by violent unrest over the last week after the government imposed tougher measures to curb the spread of the pandemic. Compulsory vaccination for healthcare workers, a measure already introduced in the rest of France, has added to the sentiment among the majority black population of being excluded and marginalized from the mainland. Protesters are also now calling for salary hikes and lower energy prices. Some have called the mandate a throwback to the slavery era, insisting they should be allowed to make their own choices about health treatment. In Guadeloupe, where protests began last week, there is a historic mistrust of the government's handling of health crises after many people were systematically exposed to toxic pesticides used in banana plantations in the 1970s. A dawn-to-dusk curfew from 7 p.m. to 5 a.m. will be in effect until the order is restored. In other related news, Chairman of the Organization of Eastern Caribbean States Authority Prime Minister, the Right Honorable Dr. Keith Mitchell, has issued an appeal for calm and reasoned dialogue in the French-associated member states of Martinique and Guadeloupe, following violent civil unrest by persons opposed to the COVID-19 protocols mandated by the French government. We have all experienced the devastating impact of the pandemic, and all of our governments have had to make difficult choices to protect lives and preserve livelihoods. In the face of these challenges, we urge a national dialogue that starts from the basic principle that we are all at risk and that the enemy is the virus and not each other. Violence and arson offer no solution to increasing threat to our common existence. We would like to believe that those opposed to vaccinations do not subscribe to this behavior and disassociate their advocacy from these counterproductive actions, the OECS Authority Prime Minister Dr. Keith Mitchell stated. Crider News reports that in light of concerns reported in the local Guyana media that ramped up production levels at the Liza Destiny floating 
production, storage, and offloading vessel could leave Guyana exposed to grave dangers. Head of Guyana's Environmental Protection Agency, Kemraj Parsam, has come forward to categorically state that nothing could be further from the truth. Parasan was keen on the note that the lies of destiny does have the capacity of 100,000 barrels of oil per day. While this is confirmed by the environmental impact assessment for the Liza Phase 1 project, Parasam noted that the very document states that production can safely occur beyond the design capacity. The EPA had cited specifically page 28 of the Environmental Impact Assessment, which speaks to the production levels of the Liza Destiny. That section of the document states the floating production storage and offloading vessel to be utilized for the project will be a VLCC tanker, which utilizes a spread of moored configuration to maintain station continuously for at least 20 years. The floating production storage and offloading vessel will be designed to receive the full production well stream from the development wells and will process crude oil at a design rate of 100,000 barrels of oil per day, with potential to safely operate at sustained peaks of up to approximately 120 barrels of oil per day. For the purpose of this environmental impact assessment, potential impacts generated by the project will be based on the highest potential oil production volume, which is conservatively based on 144,000 barrels of oil per day. The comments from the EPA head comes on the heels of the publication of Carter News Wednesday edition, which quoted the concerns of the former Guyana EPA head, Dr. Vincent Adams. He is of the firm conviction that ExxonMobil's ramped up production is not safe for the country and could very well increase the potential of an oil spill at the Straybrook block. Dr. Adams said that it is in the best interest of the country to have a fresh assessment of the impacts of the increased production. But the current EPA head also noted earlier he disagrees. While the Liza Destiny is producing around 124,000 barrels of oil per day, John Hess, head of Hess Corporation, which holds a 30% stake in the Strayberg block, revealed a few months ago that ExxonMobil's affiliate EEPGL plans to optimize capacity of the Liza Destiny to produce as much as 140 barrels of oil to 150,000 barrels of oil. With respect to the vessel for future projects, he said once they spend about a year in operation, each ship will undergo an optimization or bottlenecking exercise, which could see capacity increase from 10 to 15 percent. HaitiNews.net via Shinua News reports that a U.S.-bound migrant caravan that has been traveling on foot through Mexico for more than a month on Thursday continued its slow trek through the Gulf Coast state of Veracruz, 
with far fewer people than it started out. Comprising of about 4,000 to 5,000 mostly Central American and Haitian migrants at one point, the caravan currently numbers about 500 people, according to local media reports. Most of the migrants have accepted offers from Mexico's National Institute of Migration to be taken to shelters set up in specific states to regularize their stay in Mexico for a fixed period of time on humanitarian grounds. A second caravan of more than 2,500 migrants, which set out on November 18 from the city of Tapachulua in Mexico's southeastern state of Chiapas and on the border of Guatemala, agreed to dissolve after reaching a similar agreement on Tuesday with Mexico's National Institute of Migration officials. Central America is seeing an unprecedented exodus of migrants this year, apparently driven out of their homes by poverty worsened by the COVID-19 pandemic. From January to August, Mexico reported the entry of more than 147,000 undocumented migrants, in which tripled the number of undocumented migrants who entered in 2020, according to Mexico's National Institute of Migration. Jamaica Information Service reports that the United States Agency for International Development, USAID, Positive Pathways Initiative has awarded 14 grants valued at a total of 20 million combined to community organizations that will support more than 500 parents, caregivers, and youth. The organization will be responsible for implementing programs that will assist in the prevention of youth crime and violence. They are located across the parishes of Kingston and St. Andrews, St. Catherine, Clarendon, and St. James. Seven of them received the Community Peace Building Grant, which is focused on developing activities for improved pathways to achieve peace for youth using their caregivers and parents. Under this grant, program activities are designed to analyze and improve behavioral changes while working with parents, caregivers, and youth. In her remarks at the ceremony, the Jamaica Chief Technical Director in the Ministry of National Security, Ms. Shauna Trowers, said the administration of the grants aligned with the national strategic goal to reduce youth crime and violence. Additionally, USA Director of Citizen Security, Ms. Shannon Stone, said the provision of these opportunities will allow people and communities to flourish. The grants were made available through the Positive Pathways Initiative. It is a five-year initiative valued at 15.3 million U.S. dollars that was committed by the U.S. government. The initiative collaborates with the government of Jamaica, local organizations, and targeted communities to support parents and families to steer young people away from a life of crime and violence.
YogoNet reports that on Monday, November 22nd, the Puerto Rico Gaming Commission started to receive applications from those interested in becoming sports betting operators on electronic platforms in Puerto Rico, an economic vertical that is estimated can generate about 18 million U.S. dollars in its first year. According to statements from the executive director of the Gaming Commission on the island, Orlando Rivera, each request will be evaluated by the Sport Betting Bureau of the Commission, as well as the filing procedure, which is available on the entity's website. The portal contains information, forms, and documents required to formalize the request for licensees for operators or sports betting satellites, esports, and fantasy contests on the internet, as well as service providers and employees. Jamaica Information Service reports that some 5,000 public school educators could start receiving electronic vouchers, e-vouchers, to purchase laptops computers in December under the Laptop for Teachers program being developed by eLearning Jamaica Limited. Project manager for the Own Your Own Device initiative at eLearning Jamaica, Seymour Roden, told the Jamaica Information News that the e-vouchers will enable teachers to visit an approved vendor location to purchase a laptop that meets the entity's minimum specifications. He said that teachers will receive e-vouchers via email or SMS text messages. Mr. Roden informed that the list of teachers slated to benefit under the initiative will be provided by the Ministry of Education, Youth and Information. Once that is done, the data will be uploaded into the Own Your Own Device system and vouchers issued to intended teachers, he noted. The Laptop for Teachers program is not yet live. It is actually being developed with changes being made to the existing Own Your Own Device system to facilitate the distribution of vouchers to the teachers. We anticipate that the program will be coming on stream by possibly December 2021. This is pending finalizing of the system and having all other supporting systems in place, he outlined. Speaking in St. Elizabeth recently, Jamaica's Minister of Education, Youth and Information, the Honorable Faye Val Williams, informed that teachers at the primary level will be the first to benefit under the Laptop for Teachers program. Over the last few weeks, many European countries have reported record numbers of new cases despite high vaccination coverage. The relaxation of public health measures combined with pockets of unvaccinated people has created the perfect environment for the coronavirus to spread, said Dr. Clarissa Ethian, Pan American Health Organization director. Throughout this pandemic, Europe has been a window into the future for the Americas. The future is unfolding before us, and it must be a wake-up call for our region, the Pan-American Health Organization director warned. 
upward trends are already seen throughout the Americas, including the Caribbean, where infection rates are high. Last year, the Americas saw a jump in new cases following the holiday season, which took months to decline. With the upcoming holidays and summer vacations in the Southern Hemisphere, Dr. Ethian warned that our individual and collective decisions chart the path of this pandemic. More than 1.3 billion COVID-19 vaccine doses have been administered in the Americas, and the Pan-American Health Organization said it is working to expand access in places that are falling behind. Dr. Ethian stressed that continued public health measures alongside vaccinations are also key to reducing the spread. These include mask wearing, social distancing, and avoiding large gatherings, particularly indoors. We've already faced the consequences of an uncontrolled pandemic, and we do not want to be in that position again, she added. It's up to all of us to make smart and safe choices this holiday season so we can protect ourselves and each other from this virus. And finally, the government of the British Virgin Islands announced via the official Virgin Islands Gazette on November 16th that fully vaccinated arrivals in the British territory are no longer required to test for COVID-19 upon arrival. Travelers would have to produce a negative result for a RT-PCR or approve rapid antigen scars COV-2 tests taken no later than 48 hours before arrival in the territory. Fully vaccinated passengers that present proof of vaccination and a negative test result are also no longer required to pre-register on the Hummingbird portal. However, fully vaccinated passengers who present a negative test older than 48 hours, whether due to reasons such as delays and overnight layovers, will be required to pre-register on the Hummingbird portal and take a rapid antigen scars COV-2 test on the day of arrival into the territory. The protocols for unvaccinated and partially vaccinated travelers remain the same. This includes the requirements to seek travel authorization via the BVI Gateway Portal, test on arrival, and quarantine for seven days and four days, respectively. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, November 26th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.